What's up, everybody? Yesterday was tax day. Did you do yours? Tax day. Why do we dread it? I don't. I used to love tax day when I waited tables, bartending. January 1, taxes done. Spent the whole day sitting in my house, doors open. This was in Venice, California. And I just, you know, maybe smoke a little weed, put on some music. It was so simple. No kids, no write-offs. Just me, taxes, bartending, and getting money back. Everybody, you know what, tax, nobody wants to do them. Just do them. It's like going to the dentist. Just go. Because if you don't go and you don't floss, you know what's coming. Cavities, root, can, root canals, getting teeth capped. Oh, you don't think I have to get another root canal? Yeah, I do. It's the worst. That's why I just flossed before I did this. Not that you need to know that. Jay Larson here. Welcome back to the Throughline Podcast. I'm excited, so excited this week. It's been beautiful weather out here. Taxes are done. My kids have school vacation next week. I'm going to spend a lot of time with them. Just, they're good things. I'm working. It's always, I love working. See, people who have normal jobs, like, I don't want to go to work. When you have, when your job fluctuates so much like mine does, you get stoked to work a lot. Then you work a lot and you're like, man, I'm working so much. And then you want to break. But at least, you know, just be thankful you have a job. If you have a job right now and you're employed, it might suck. But who cares? You're getting a paycheck. You know what I mean? Just just look at the other side of the coin, people. Uh, as always, jlarsoncomedy.com. jlarsoncomedy on Instagram and Twitter. Comedian Jay Larson on Facebook. Do me a favor. Go over and... Become a fan on the Facebook page. Follow me on Instagram. Follow me on Twitter. And please go over to YouTube and subscribe over there. I don't have a lot of stuff up there, but we're getting, we're getting the process to launch a bunch of stuff. And it'd be great to have all of you that are listening out there to be following on whatever platform you uh, m- most frequently use. Or if you don't use it that much, just be a fan. Be a part of the game. And I, I do want to say I'm feeling extra appreciative of all of you out there that are listening. Some of you that have been reaching out, letting me know how much you're enjoying the podcast. And, you know, I'll be honest. For my last podcast, The Crab Feast, I know tons of you were out there. You were feasters and you still are because Feast of Nation never dies. But a lot of them bailed on me and they stopped listening. And uh, that's okay. And I just want to let all those people out there that are listening, how much I appreciate you. And how cool it is that you stuck around because I feel like I'm introducing you guys to some new guests that you haven't heard before. I'm super excited about this week's guest. Um, And I'm going to continue to try and get interesting people with interesting perspectives, different ones um, from all different walks of life and hopefully all different kind of businesses. I mean, everyone's kind of in the entertainment business, I know. But you get what I'm saying. Not just podcasters and comedians, but actors and writers. And hopefully we can stretch the gamut a little bit as we get cooking here. But... uh, I just am really, 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 really appreciative and thankful for all of you that stuck with me and have given reviews and continue to spread the word. I'm seeing more and more people share posts, let people know that they're listening. Um, It means a lot to me. It really does. Because, uh, you know, without you guys, I'm just what? Some dude talking to another person, which is great. I think conversations are great. But then what am I doing with it? So it's nice to be able to go and sit down with people and share with you guys and introduce you people to some people that have super interesting insights like this week's guest um 
Ah, I'm so excited. I, I love this human being so much. I have from the first day I met him. Um, we decided to take this podcast outside in his backyard. So if you hear birds or wind and trees, just just do do me a favor and just let yourself drop into the environment we were in so you can get an idea. We had trees all around. Wind was beautiful. And we were outside. It's gorgeous weather. And just know that, you know... That's where we were, and we kind of want to take that experience and share it with you guys. So uh, you may know this guy from uh, his podcast or the Joe Rogan podcast, uh, Duncan Trussell. His podcast is the Duncan Trussell Family Hour. You can check him out on Twitter and Instagram and all those great things. He's such an awesome, awesome dude. Um, just Duncan Trussell over on uh, Instagram. I'm sure that's where he is on, on all on all platforms. Subscribe to his podcast and listen. He's super interesting and super unique, and I love him. And I, I, I was just overwhelmed and appreciative that he was willing to hop on the podcast with me, and we had such an amazing time. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did and know how much I appreciate all of you out there listening. Please continue to listen and spread the word because that's the only way we grow, and that's how we get the best guests. And just enjoy the show. I love y'all. Please enjoy Duncan Trussell. Sorry to interrupt you guys, but we got to keep the lights on. This week's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. Have you thought about talking to someone but are unsure of where to start? BetterHelp makes it easy to connect with a licensed professional counselor, caring professional specializing in the issues that you want to talk about. Join BetterHelp and get help at your own time and your own pace. I've said it a hundred times, guys. I've gone to therapy forever, and I think everyone can benefit from you just for the fact that you're getting someone that has to listen to you. You can schedule secure video and phone sessions or text your therapist worldwide and you can start communicating in under 24 hours. It's a busy world, you guys. People are limited in time. People travel. This makes a therapist widely accessible to you. Scheduling is easy and it's simple. It's a truly affordable option and listeners of my podcast get 10% off your first month with discount code Throughline. If you've been wanting to talk, you can get started right now. Go to betterhelp.com slash throughline, T-H-R-U-L-I-N-E. That's betterhelp.com slash throughline. Simply fill out the questionnaire and get matched with a counselor you'll love. That's betterhelp.com slash throughline. Shit's boring. Well, this isn't going to be boring, Duncan. I, I, you never know. You know what's funny is when I think about you, there's two distinct, three distinct things in my head. Two are real. One is made up okay. in my own head. One is like when I got past at the comedy store, going into that room, that office that uh, you had, and just being like, I can't believe this guy is the guy booking the comedy. You were the most creative guy in the world. I'm like, what is he doing here? Oh, uh, thanks. And then that time we went and had, I had was trying to write this short. I wrote it that I thought you and the puppet would be unbelievable for. Yes. And we went, we had Mexican down the street from the comedy store, and you're eating tortilla chips with two hands. <laughs> you, you hold them like a little sandwich. I don't remember that. And then the third is the short that I wanted to write was going to take place in this condemned house I was living in. Yes. So I keep having visions of that short as if they really happened, but they never did. Oh, man. So it was just like a, a made up experience that I had with you. 
Oh, wow. Yeah, I, you know, I was interviewing this guy, Stephen Kotler, who is brilliant, and he, like, studies flow states, and he was saying that, like, anytime you have, like, a unsolved problem, it there's some neurological corollary. So, like, you get a little bubble in your brain or a little space in your brain uh-huh. that just is, like... You know that feeling when you learn something new or when you finally solve a problem? It's like getting a chiropractic adjustment in your brain. There's just a literal sense of like, ah, it's because yes. that bubble, that little bit of like unsolvedness in your mind sort of pops. Yes. And it's fascinating, isn't it? So yeah, that's, I guess we're going to have to figure out a way to like do it. Well, I'm sure we will. That puppet's long gone, by the way. I'm, I'm sure. But you know what's crazy is just... I gave up booze like eight months ago. Good for you. And I don't know if it's for good or not. I don't know. But, and then I've been like doing other stuff diet wise, but like little bubbles like that keep popping in my brain. I didn't know. So I come home the other day, literally this comic that I used to open for 13 years ago. And then all of a sudden just stopped, like stopped messing with me. Didn't take me out. Nothing. I looked at my wife the other day. I go, Hey, just figured out why I didn't get taken on the road again. And she's like, what do you mean? And I'm like, I don't know. It just clicked. I realized it. I realized the moment, what had happened, everything. What happened? 13 years. I just wasn't a hangout dude. Like, I would get taken on the road, and I would be like, hey, my buddy has a place I can stay at because I thought I'd be doing him a solid by not staying with him. And then I'd go to another city, and I'm like, oh, I got this girl. She's going to come out and hang. And this dude, I think, was like, don't you get it? You come, I take you on the road so I have someone to kick it with. Yeah. And, and I kept being like, oh, I thought he was just taking me up because he thought I was funny. And he was like, nah, dude. You know, so. You're like, I'm not a fucking rent boy, man. Like, what's going on here? You, 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 what is, I know what you're talking about. There's, you know what I mean. There's two. So basically there's like, I think there's some comics that are, it's just different types of people. Yeah. Some people are really like in need of, always being with somebody yeah i read some chelsea handler interview where she said she can't stand to be alone yeah it drives some people nuts to be by themselves they get all creeped out that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you but it's similarly some of us when we're around people too much we start feeling like hyper exhausted (laughs) yeah i know And like you got to have a moment to especially on the road because you're pouring your energy into the into the into the performance yeah and there's this sense of like, oh, I got to recharge. I don't have time to get 19 fucking coffees and go to the mall yeah. right now. I'm literally shitting bricks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I got to figure out a way to relax. Yeah, man. So it's just a different, you know, I've heard there. there's like some headliners when they take people on the road. It's like all day long. You're going shop, shopping for like luggage. Yeah. You're not just doing shit. You're doing like the most boring well, shit. It hit me because my friend used to be a personal assistant for this big time actor and he's like yeah like he would get a movie in new zealand and i would go to new zealand for three months and i'm like what would you do and he's like i'd get up you know we'd have a suite at a hotel i had a room he had a room yeah. we go to breakfast i go to set and i go what would you do at set he's like i just kick it in his trailer and like maybe read scripts or like and i'm like oh you were just there and he's like yeah and i'm like oh yeah that's what was supposed to be going on yeah you know what i mean but i didn't see it like that i was like you know Either way, you know. It's just a different model. You're like the young samurai riding through some valley with the old samurai. And the stage is like with a battle. But in between, they're teaching you shit about the craft. Totally. And about comedy and stuff. Yeah, that's one of the ways. I love that you look at it like we're samurais. I think there is a real quality of that with comedians, with certain comedians. You yeah. Because it's, it's like a... 
comedy in a certain way is a confrontational art. You're confronting, at the very least, you're confronting the un- unknown. Yeah, you're and sometimes also, you're confronting the audience's beliefs. Yes, that's yeah. right. You're yeah. challenging them to see something your way. Yeah, that's right. And yeah. sometimes hecklers, you're confronting hecklers. And yeah. You're also confronting yourself because you have to uh, be disciplined enough to do a good show. And, and like, so it, to me, there is a kind of warrior-like quality to stand-up comedy in particular. And in um, some of the, like, older super successful headliners there is a quality where they they do kind of teach you this stuff yeah and, and i say samurai because like uh samurai are wild man they were like disciplined but also like wild i mean Not- i don't know anything about samurais Oh, dude. It's and the only reason I'm going to like challenge you, not challenge you on it, but ask you for explanations, because before you were saying that there are certain things that you say and your wife's like, you know, you're never right about that, but you say it all the time. Oh, my what God. What do you know about samurais? Oh, oh, Jesus Christ. A, I should have done this preface before. Uh-huh. I don't know anything. <laughs> but I'm very good at seeming like it. So, yeah, yeah. I, like sometimes I've gotten like on message boards and shit. People are like, dude, what the fuck? Who do you think you are? Because they like, do know. Oh my god! Did I come across like an art historian to you or something like that? Did I, <laughs> do I seem like I work at the fucking Smithsonian? Yeah. I'm sorry. Look at me, man. Take a look, dude. Yeah. Okay. But so that being said, yeah. My understanding of uh, the samurai comes from this wonderful book called The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi, who uh, the book starts also has a great sushi joint down on uh, Crenshaw, right? <laughs> amazing <laughs> well there is a quality I, I, of, in a sushi chef too a totally sam- you know in the sense that there's a strange focus almost a spiritual quality to a great sushi yeah. chef where you feel like you're watching someone meditate but they're cutting fish yeah um yeah but but the book of uh the book of five rings it starts with this fantastic i think one of the how best- old is it oh fuck dude how old are samurai i don't know that. that's what that's i mean okay i don't know it's old okay it's whenever i mean shit when was the last time you saw a samurai that's what I'm saying. I, I don't, don't know. Think they're around anymore. We're up in the hills, dude. There might be one hidden somewhere. Well, you never know. I think that's the ninja. I think <laughs> that it's a could be the ninja. It's yeah, a different branch of of um, of uh, ori of Asian martial artists that I don't know much about. But in this case, the Book of Five Rings starts yeah. off with a sentence: "My name is Miyamoto Musashi, and I have killed 130 men." So that's the that's the beginning of it. And then so then it's kind of this like explanation of like what it is to be a samurai which is what it is to be a warrior Mm -hmm. and what's really beautiful in it is there is a um sort of acknowledgement of this idea as above so below which or another way to put it is in small things all things so this concept is don't just be a, a warrior learn calligraphy learn art yeah so he was he would advise learning poetry and stuff because if you get good at one little thing you'll get good at a lot of things and then also within it is this strange idea of like loving your the to really understand how to beat someone mm-hmm. you need to love them jesus yeah you're killing whole- me you know what it all and now take it back to the stand up on the road there's also the element of like by spending the time with the headliner it's not like they might hit you over the head where they're going to teach you something it might be the little tiny thing that they do that they don't even tell you about you just watch them do yeah. and you're like oh you just picked up on it because you saw that they do x yeah you know what i mean that's right and in learning little tiny how many times like 
I've always said, like, I like to build stuff, right? So I have, like, a little wood shop in my cool. house. So, like, I'll build stuff. So even when I'm not doing stand-up or writing or acting, I like to try and, like, build, like I'm going to build next week a playhouse for the kids in the backyard. And it's just, like, by doing that, it, like, flexes a creative muscle, and I almost turn my brain off. You know what I mean? That's right. But maybe I'll find something in it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Because you, you sort of, like, that's the idea is, like, you can almost extrapolate from any practice that gets you better at something, you learn about almost everything, at least the meta process. Because even though like, you know, learning how to, I don't know, build rocket ships versus learning how to build a playhouse versus learning how to solder uh, oh, a yeah. circuit board, even though these are like probably very different things, not only in like the type of materials you're using and the tools you're using and the result, but the, learning curve for example that i've noticed seems to be similar for all things like the way that you confront the learning curve so to speak you Mm -hmm. know that sense when you're learning a new fucking thing i don't know what happens to you but i've become very familiar with what happens to me which is i go through a phase of thinking i understand it Mm -hmm. when i don't at all to a phase of like deep frustration and wanting to quit to a phase of like <sighs> getting lost somewhere in between. Yeah. So like, look at the anxiety I got just by that idea. Cause I, cause here's, I've noticed recently with me in life at this age that I don't try new things all the time. I'll try little new things, but I don't take on new like hobbies or activities or anything like that. I try to like almost work on the things that I already know. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, shouldn't I be trying new things or how have I just lost that want to try new things or, you know, how important it is. I see myself doing like one thing I haven't camped since I was probably 13 and now I have kids and I'm like, all I want to do is camp because I feel like we're, we're getting yes. further and further and further away from like being outdoors. So yeah. I want to make sure I instill that in them. So now I have to learn how to camp because I don't remember. Get an airstream. <laughs> Dude, I want an airstream like crazy. I mean, come on. It's like that. I've had the airstream dream now for like probably at least five years. Oh, he's living that airstream dream now, baby. I'm not. I'm he's living, living on, it. You go on what, it, what happens is I'll start fantasizing about the airstream. Then I'll go online. Next thing I know, I'm on like Jay Leno's garage. Son of a bitch has like 19 airstreams no in his shit, garage or dude. whatever, you know. But you you like realize these things cost over a hundred thousand dollars. Well, I mean, if you're gonna get one totally tricked, but you could buy a used airstream in shitty condition for eight grand. No. You don't think so? No way. No way. You're out of your mind. You will find me one because you got to get the truck. Yeah, you I know. Well, pull. of course, I didn't. I mean, we didn't get into that. Well, what about just getting a regular camper? Fuck that. I want that sweet, sleek, <laughs> aluminum, beautiful. It's like a rolling W I know hotel it is. room, man. It's like the fantasies I have about my Airstream that I don't have yet. The panoramic view, sitting in wherever the place is. I know. Watching fucking... <laughs> Watching Sean Hannity in in some expansive, beautiful. Basically, I want to be a retiree. Like you want to know? Do you want to know what fantasy I've had? Yes. So I live in Los Angeles on the West Side. I have two kids. My fantasy is to buy an old bread truck. Okay. Yeah. Cut out the back so I have windows in the back. Put in four bunks, a little desk, uh, like a little tiny kitchenette with like a fridge, coffee maker, and stuff like that. And in the mornings at 5 a.m., get up, grab my son or my daughter, 
drive around the neighborhood, pick up their friends, drive to Malibu, get there by like 545. Yeah. The kids all surf. I sit up on the roof of the, the, the bread truck, sipping coffee. When they're done, they come. Everyone's got a bunk. They lay down on the bunk. If you haven't done your homework next yet, you grab the desk, and then I drop everyone at school. That's a great fantasy. Do I think – I don't know if either of my kids are going to surf, but that is like – man, if that was my morning every day and I could sit and write if I wanted to while they're out there surfing, that would be amazing to me. Your fantasy tells so much about what a wonderful person you are. My fantasy, I want to, what, lay in the wilderness and watch fucking Sean Hannity bark out about the villain of the day? You're like, I want to help the neighborhood. I want to take the children to the sea. Well, no, I just sea. want to be – to the sea. <laughs> You're like, like a I want to watch right-wing fucking propaganda while I look, maybe look back at the sunset. No, but I mean, trust me, I would want to be in the woods, too. Wait, where'd you grow up? Uh, North Carolina and all over, basically, but North Carolina. Why all over? We traveled. My dad traveled. We traveled around. For work, or was he like a vagabond? Vagabond. Really? Did he have a job? We had various jobs. What do you mean, we? Was everyone pitching in? Well, I say we. It's the family. You know, you say we. Yeah, that's no, true. The proverbial we, man. I went with him once to, when he was doing exterminator work because I thought it would be fascinating to watch. But I didn't um, participate in the spraying of the poison. Yeah. But I certainly watched. Yeah. I delivered uh, um, telephone books with my mother once. Oh, wow. Like she was delivering telephone books. Cool. And I remember like being in, I remember being in the front seat. I wasn't able to be in school yet. Sitting in the front seat and going and like just like the whole car was stacked with telephone books. Shit, yeah. I've been, I don't remember who I was with who was delivering shit, but I remember that strange feeling of having a, a car filled with, and you could smell the paper in the car. Yeah. And like I, that, and also for me, this kind of sinking feeling knowing like Jesus Christ man that's gonna take a long time to get all these papers out <laughs> I'm gonna be in this car all day oh dude one of the worst delivery experiences of my life when I was in seventh grade my sister and brother were freshmen and juniors in high school freshmen and junior yeah. and they were in the halftime show the football game right so I had to do the newspaper route for them Oh. I think my sister had it and then she handed it down to my brother. So I had to do it. Cool. So Thanksgiving, you know, all those circulars come out for like yeah. uh, discount, you know, for Black Friday. I know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. So I come out and I'm filling in for them. They're already at the game and I go and I snip the the packages that's got all the fillers. I forget something inside. I go inside. I come back out and the wind has just thrown them all over my yard, my neighbor's yard. So I'm trying to pick them all up, but I'm like overwhelmed. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to pick up all these circulars. It's it's devastating. I'm crying. I'm like, I'm, I'm a failure. And I go walking back to my yard and my grandfather, who owned a bakery the town over, yeah. every now and then he'd pop in. He pulled in and he gets, steps out of his car and he was this big, tall dude with white hair and he is laughing his ass off. <laughs> and I'm crying and I'm like, shut up, it's not fun. I go in stairs. I go up to my bed. I'm like, I can't do this. Yeah. And he come, he came upstairs and he sat down on my bed. He's like, let's go, I'll drive you. And we just went out uh. and I got in the car with him and he drove me on the paper route and his, and like he just like relieved it all. Wow. I mean, I never picked up all those. Cert- was I mean, your grandpa like your dad to you? Fuck no. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm making a Hallmark movie <laughs> out of your life. You know what's funny, though, is I've taken... This is what I was trying to say earlier with my point of I have those three memories of you, one that's not real. Yeah. Is I used to do this joke about memories, how they're not real. That's right. Your brain is going to manipulate your memories to fit the story that you want to recount. That's right. So, for me, I take... 
the ideas of both my grandfathers and I've built them both into this like mold of what a man should be and I don't even know who they were. I mean, I know them a little bit. One died when I was five. One died when I was like 12. But, you know, you, you build them. It's the same way I take sport sport athletes that I like worshipped as a kid I don't care who they were personally I don't give a shit I care about the numbers on the back of their baseball card and I take those numbers and I transform them into the qualities I would want in a person like a father or grandfather you know what I mean you know so that's the way I look at my grandparents and and you know and now that my you know my dad died like three years ago and we were estranged, but then I went home and, like, went through all of his stuff at his wife's house and all this. And I kind of, like, built an idea of, like, who he was, despite the fact that he had no relationship with me since I was 10. 10? 10. So he, what happened? My parents split when I was two, and I was the youngest of four. And then by the time I got to, like, 10, I think he was, like, just... Personally, I think he was overwhelmed by the idea of four kids. He had a new wife. He was paying child support to us, was living broke, and he just kind of was like, fuck it. I I would much rather just forget that I had four kids because two of them hated him anyway instead of, like, trying really hard to, like, keep a relationship with them. That's what I think. Did you – to me – What's striking about you is that you seem like very paternal and in, in a good way, yeah, in a positive way. And I'm kind of surprised to to hear that. When I asked about your grandparents, I was sort of fishing around, like, where did you get that from? Like, what's your source of constructing not only like an idea of what a dad or is like or this kind of like positive masculine sort of character but also where did you learn to like apply that discipline to your life oh yeah i mean i have i have no idea i just know that like from a really young age maybe because i was the youngest of four i looked at i always thought like oh i'm the dad of the house i run this house okay you know what i mean something was broken i'm like i got it and i would make it worse because i didn't know how to fix it but i would try yeah yeah like I just always looked at it like my mom needed somebody. Like I have this this one memory imprinted in my head and we were going on vacation as a family and it was just, I can, I can only remember my older sister and my, my brother, not the oldest sister. And we get to like this boardwalk where there's video games and everything. And my sister and brother, they're the two middle. So they go running off and I go running with them. And I remember turning back and seeing my mom by herself and being like, ah, oh, fuck. And just turning back and hanging with her the whole time. Wow. I'm like, oh, she needs somebody. Wow. So it was just kind of there, man. I think maybe it was just being the youngest and kind of like everyone. My house was kind of like every man for himself. I don't know. I just saw stuff in my mom that I'm like, oh, I just always felt like she needed somebody. I don't know. Yeah, man. That's rare for a kid to have that kind of insight, though. Like, that's a rare thing i think for a I don't know. kid to like have compassion for their a lot of kids it's not they don't love their mom it's just they they get caught up in the world and don't realize yeah i know was that like what was it like for you where were you in the age Do you have brothers and sisters yeah i got an older brother and um i think i kind of went into like a blank there my i i had a very troubled um childhood and because of all the moving around and the my dad had ptsd wonderful man shit from what wonderful man vietnam yeah but he and i and i i don't i'm not just saying that you know he's passed away but i still feel 
I love him so much. He's so funny and such a sweetie and so, so like complex and, yeah. and brilliant um, and eccentric. Did he get you into comedy? He didn't get me into comedy, but he was the, when I was going through the period of just abject failure and, you know, complete. In stand up? In stand up, yeah. yeah. And not just in stand up, but just living in LA and just in like failing, like yeah. running out of money, borrowing money, just gasping for air, like a fucking bloated, washed up fish. God. He was the last family member who kept saying, stick to it. Shut Hang in up. there. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And, um, yeah, so I, I like not only just because of that. Wait, did he ever give me any, can you give me any examples of the PTSD and how it affected all of you? And then two, sure. Did he ever like get past it? Oh, you don't, I mean, uh, you can't, unfortunately with PTSD, the, uh, maybe with the new like MDMA study, they, they think they might've found a way to like, like, uh, do you know much about PTSD? I just, I know what it is. I mean, I know it's that like, but you, I'm sure you have a much better understanding. Well, I didn't, you know, I, I, one of my friends is this doctor and um, Cole Marta. He's working on the, he's working with MAPS, which are the folks doing this MDMA as a treatment for PTSD studies, okay. which is Rick Doblin's operation. And uh, what I do could, you, you said, <laughs> dude, you, you know, like old guys will all be like, they'll always call things outfits. Yeah, yeah, they got this outfit out of San You said his operation. He's got this operation yeah, out what are there. Yeah, we robbing banks? What is it? <laughs> fucking the mafia. Uh, he, um, so, um, anyway, like, yeah, I just knew my dad had PTSD because my mom told me once. And then later my dad mentioned it again. Uh, and how often would it affect him? Somebody with PTSD. Yeah. So it's a, it's a, as it was explained to me, uh, I did an interview with Doblin, and he explained it to me. Their understanding of it, at least, seems to be that it is a problem of short-term, long-term memory. So when you have severe trauma, it, it gets locked in your short-term memory, basically. Like, So the part of your brain that's supposed to file it away doesn't file it away because it's so horrific that it hangs in your Oof. life. Like, a, you know, when you get a flash yeah. picture, it just floats there. So when a person has PTSD... The trauma floats there. And so you can be at like a, a kid's birthday party and having a lemonade and someone's like, do you want a lemonade? And you're like, as you're saying, yeah, you're just seeing this horrific thing. Yeah. Repeating, wow. repeating, repeating. And so they try, you know, in the past, uh, the treatment was you treat the symptoms. And generally that means benzos, uh, some kind of sedative and maybe some therapy, maybe cognitive behavioral therapy or something like yeah. that. But the problem with PTSD is that people who have it don't want to burden you with their problems. One of the symptoms of it is you don't want to talk about it. You want to be tough it out, tough it out, man. So people who have PTSD will not tell Hold on. You. Is that a symptom or is that something that increases the PTSD? Symptom. They all, like if you want to know what PTSD is like, look at John Wayne. Look at like any like the thing with people now that term toxic masculinity yeah. is it's called it's actually it seems to be PTSD. Our country has been at war for like ninety percent of its history. No kidding. So man. like so many men, you know, they fucking World War Two man. Yeah, you I know? know all that all that horror. And we then, had a you know, story in our house that my. My mom told us that my grandfather, my mom's dad, one time woke... My grandmother woke up in the middle of the night. My grandfather was on top of her, choking her. Yeah. 
and then she like like woke like pounded his chest and then he rolled off her and just like they never talked about it and that <laughs> and that part that part right there that's also part of it because ideas you don't talk about it mm-hmm. you don't bring it up because the, i think maybe what happens is it's like if you figured out a way to get the monster to go down in the basement even for a second you're afraid that even talking about it, the fucking gonna thing's going to come galloping yeah. out. So if you can just suppress it enough with booze quite often, yep. drugs. You heard that John Prine song? No. There's a hole in daddy's arm where all the money goes. Wow. <laughs> you know, that's about uh, somebody shooting up to like... You got a good voice. <laughs> Thank you. That I do not- when I vote, when I use an auto-tuner. Yeah. But um, uh, so anyway, the... um. Yeah, so PTSD, what goes along with it is alcoholism, what goes along with it is a pretty severe anxiety disorders, and what goes along with it is an approach to life that is repressed. So, yeah. um, that, that, that. So your dad was, un- was you, would you say he was like unavailable to you where you could have like loving experiences or was he like, did you do cool stuff with him and like, did you ever do Boy Scouts or anything like that? He would take us hunting and stuff and oh, we would, would do stuff like that, but we, the, there was a divorce. So this stuff would happen in the summer yeah, and then it would happen along with a lot of alcohol, a lot of blackouts. You know, I mean, I'm, I mean, I was drinking at the time, not him. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, but, uh, he, but he got it under control, yeah. but I was just off the rails <laughs> at the time. You know that you know how Tim is. Would you just Tim's see, a rough year? Would you just see him in the summers then? Yeah, we go see him in the summers. Yeah, and so and you'd he, spend the summer with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd spend the summer with him. See, I always like wonder this, not just for like situations like that, but kids who like parents had like a, a summer home and they'd go away for the summer i'm always like well what'd you do for sports and activity like what did you do you just did them there did you have different friends there what would you do every day no you learn so what happens is you learn it's really quite interesting man like you know in europe there's like gypsy culture there's gypsies traveling families and it's you know this nomadic culture and it's no it, but and in america it's a similar situation except the people who our gypsies say that they're children of divorce. Yeah. And so these people, like, and I'm one of them, we imagine that, you know, somehow we had this stable life. But, I mean, I once I counted how many fucking homes I lived in, man, it's crazy. Like, f- over 10, over 10 homes wow. where you just get used to moving. Yeah. But you have this fantasy that you're not nomadic. So you have this imaginary version of your life you're creating. Yeah. But you're nomadic and you're like always traveling, always moving, always packing. And then the divorce thing, you you learn basically it teaches you impermanence as a child. And this is good on one level. To be flexible and you 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 don't stuck in ruts. Yeah, but bad on another level yeah. because you can detach too easily from things. You can just like fuck it. You know, I'll just yeah. move. I don't care. See, man, that's the one thing. My mom, I remember she told me this like 10 years ago she's like i could have moved us out of the town i grew up in which is a blue collar middle class town to like a a more blue collar town and get an apartment and we could have had more money but she's like i wanted to keep you in a house with a yard in a town you know what i mean so yeah. we, i had the same house my mom still lives great, there strong perspective beautiful yeah. woman oh my mom's Holy yeah shit man yeah that she, is so powerful she was hardcore i think she loved 
to be honest, I think she loved being a single mom. That's where you got it from. You yeah. Know what? Oh, I'm yeah. Not, I'm an asshole. I'm like, what dude did you get it from? Yeah. Why no. does it have to be a guy? It was transmitted to you from your mom. Yes. Yeah. This, this uh, stability, this strength. Yeah. How cool. God, I feel like, damn, I'm sorry. Ladies. Well, we don't think that. We just think that you're going to take on, like, I'm, I'm also like, I have tons of like a very strong feminine side because it was just a woman around all the time. And my mom was also like, had to be the dad. Like my mom spit my face once when I was 16 Ooh. in a fight. I mean, you want to get brought down to your knees. My, you have your mom spit in your face. That's how mad she is at you. Did that stop you in your tracks? Oh, yeah. I, I was in the shower. We were fighting. I was like, whatever. I was the only one living at home. I went in to take a shower. I get in the shower. She stormed in. She's yelling at me. I'm like, I say whatever back to her. She rips open the curtain. I'm naked. I'm 17. Whoa. 16 or 17. I think 17. And so now that's embarrassing. I'm naked, and she's and so I pull it back, and I'm fighting with her, and then she rips it open again and spit right in my face and walked out, and I literally collapsed to the tub Damn. and was bawling with, like, the shower on me. It was, like, humiliating. You know what I mean? I've never, yeah. I never thought of it as much as that, or I've never said stop you in your tracks like that, but it literally did. It dropped me down and, like, uh, I don't think ever in my life I've been brought down that hard from someone because, like, it was my mom. You know what I mean? I devoted, like, I devoted my life to her just as much as she devoted it to me and my brothers and sisters. You know what I mean? So, yeah. It's it's basically like for for someone to be in that much pain that they do that to their son and for you to be as, like, sensitive as you seem to be with your with your mom – yeah, that's devastating. That's like a meteor. That's yeah. the meteor that killed the dinosaurs on your fucking face, yeah. luckily in the shower. But you know what? I think that's probably why one why she did it because I was in the shower. But two, <clears throat> as a parent, I used to say this to my friends. I'd be like, "Hey, man, I'm all I've ever wanted was kids." But I used to always say, "I don't want to be their best friend. I want to be their dad yes. first, their friend second. Yes. So what my mom was doing in that situation, what I think was bringing me down to fucking zero and being like wake the f this is gonna hurt me just as much as it's gonna yeah. hurt you but you need to be broken just like you need to break a wild horse like mm. I think she looked at it like I'm gonna fucking break you right now you think you're fucking you can be bigger than me and she just crushed me and I think it definitely made me a better person a stronger person you know what I mean there are gonna be times you gotta tell your kid fucking no no let alone spit in their face when they're 17. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's parents out there that have had to do worse when their kids... I spit in my son's face and he's two, two, two months, months old, dude. You get it. See? You're a guy that gets it. <laughs> I gotta put him... Like, what's going on? Who do you think you are? Fucking let him know early. Mouth on my wife's nipple like that. Mm-mm. Gotta teach him. You gotta fucking get no, him correct. No, this is a teaching method, man. It's a very intense one, and I, but I think based on your, your depiction of your mom, it seems like... Uh, she was just felt like she had no other. She was out of. She just was had run out of tricks in the bag. Yeah, and was desperate and had to come up with whatever the fuck you were doing. Must have been pretty rotten. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure it was. I was probably you know. Either way, I'm like, uh, I just appreciate the idea that she was like, all right, well. This is going to have to happen and just did it. And she's probably going off her gut. You know what I mean? And Maybe God, she was just angry. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't thinking about anything. Maybe it was some primordial. Because you know when dogs fight? Yeah. I've, someone told me it's the craziest thing. They're like, listen, if you want to teach your dog to stop barking, 
grab the dog and spit in the dog's mouth because it's a it's like a dominance thing horrible if i mean like i think i i did try it like just holding down a toy poodle and spitting in its mouth it's just like i'm like whatever this is (laughs) this is not the life that i want i would rather the shrieking bark of the poodle ruin the rest of my life than have any more of these moments uh but with dogs when they get in fights apparently one holds the other one down and drools in its mouth spits in its mouth and that like is a dominance it's like a primordial dominance thing yeah you know so i don't know man it's a really powerful and um uh, thing anger is so embarrassing yeah it kind of is isn't it it's always embarrassing it's like and it's almost in this case it sounds like it was useful but almost always it is not the right tactic i've found at least in my own yeah life. when did you find that because you are like literally the most peaceful person mm. and you seem so calm and you have no, this no, no, like no, no. this is front stage backstage like i i just read this awesome uh essay by a therapist who said don't ever go on your client's instagram profiles because <laughs> you see this depiction of their life yeah and it's like that's not really their life so you know i i have friends right now that couldn't be more true than what you just said. Well, this is, I think, one of the great um, tragic and accidental uh, problems with technology is that it's giving people the wrong idea about how humans actually are. Because we, a normal human, functions on many different levels. Always, yeah. So, on one level, yeah, I think I do feel pretty peaceful. And I love life, and I. Um, but on another level. You know, I have a, a bitterness and an anger and a cynicism that and a paranoia. Mm-hmm. Like I know the the rudder of my boat, so to speak, has got not chips in it. Yeah. But not from like growing up in a in a sort of turbulent life. Yeah. So I have to like I like I have to I've learned, thank God, how to put a cushion in between me and my first reaction especially when that first reaction and when i'm angry of course and so this this doesn't always work and whenever it doesn't work the result is never what i wanted because you any this is a uh, probably too much of a broad stroke but in general every single person they just want to be happy yes that's it that's it and uh you know what too is as i was saying this recently to someone like put it this way my son he plays baseball and he takes ice skating lessons and when i was his age i would fall asleep with a baseball in my hand like i was outdoors playing sports every chance i had he is not like that he likes legos i love legos too but he's got like this different he's got a different brain than i do Uh and i always i always fascinated about like when we knew we were having a boy i was like oh i'm gonna get a boy I'm going to get a chance to give to a boy what I always wish yes. I had had. Yes. But now that like he's not like this little he's not obsessed with sports, he's not obsessed with the things I was. And now I look at him and I'm like I never cared that he was obsessed with sports. All I care about is they're happy. I still want to like uh, challenge him to work hard and try things yeah. and when I say let's go for a scoot around the block after dinner when they go no, we don't want to. I'm like all right, let's push him to do it because I know as soon as they get out there they're going to love it but like all you care about is at the end of the day 
happiness. You're money great doesn't dad. mean shit. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean shit. Money, success, whether they do what you want to do, are right. they happy? Do they think about you? You know what I mean? Like that's yeah. all that's going to matter is cuz like I have this fantasy that like my kids are going to want to live in the same town we live in. Uh-huh. Like it for when I go on the road and people are like, "Man, it's so cool what you do." And I'm like, "You know what's cool? What you do." You don't think mm. I wish I lived in the town with my family where wow. Sundays we had dinners together and shit? Yeah. That's all I would want. Yeah. That's great, man. Yeah, man. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Is your I- family So your dad's gone, your mom's still around? No. No. Mama's dead. Okay. The whole thing shattered for me. Yeah. So I have to like reinvent or recreate the the Trussell family and um and and for me man that requires like therapy, yep. meditation. Yeah. Like I have to What kind of meditation do you? Oh, I do this kind of meditation. Um technically, I guess you get Well, why well, get technical? It's a very simple kind of mindfulness meditation yeah. that um, is a, um, a method taught by this uh, teacher called Chogyam Trungpa Rinpoche. Uh-huh. And it's a um, way of practicing that involves, uh, it's, it's as simple as simple could be. You sit down, you put your hands on your knees, legs crossed, you keep your eyes slightly open and try to elevate your ass above your hips a little bit so you're you got your circulation no uh-huh. it's like some forms of meditation as people you know like the lotus position and shit like there's this like weird sure. like, masochism associated with it this is not that it's like find a comfortable pose but also sit upright a lot of people slouch and slump uh so kind of sit upright with your shoulders back a little bit the, it represents opening to the world how basically. long you been doing it uh i've been studying with this guy my teacher um David Nickturn now for well over a year. Over a year? Oh, so do you go and just meditate with him or do you go see him like weekly and then meditate on your own? And do you are you cool talking about this? Totally. Okay. Uh, well I go to these meditation retreats. Like I've been going to these retreats for years and yeah. um I um am sort of connected to this like nice like uh group. Community, yeah. yeah. And um but it's pretty decentralized for those of you listening and thinking, oh, fucking cult. Cult alert. Cult alert. Uh, yeah, it's as decentralized as decentralized could be. There's no, like, I mean, there's, like, rabbis. There's, like, yogis. There's hardcore ascetics. There's people who are just psychonauts. And we gather together every once in a while and, mm-hmm. and sort of, uh, I guess you could say, hang out. Yeah, and then within that, there's a lot that can happen. A lot of information can get exchanged, kind of like what we're doing right now. Yeah, in fact, almost identical. And um, who so, are all these other people sitting around us that you haven't me- introduced me to? <laughs> I told and, you not to mention. And them. why did you brand me when I came in? Because <laughs> I wanted you to remember me. <laughs> <laughs> no, the reason I ask is when I quit drinking. I also started transcendental meditation. Oh, great. I went and I learned and I, I I've kind of fallen off a little bit, but it like it gave me total this clarity that I hadn't had before and that I really loved it cuz I felt like it centered me twice a day. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it got me back. I'm way more calm. I used to like fly off the handle a lot. Yeah. Not a lot, but th- things would bother me to an extent that they don't anymore. Yeah. Like things will happen now that I used to just like kind of snap at and now I just like I'm like, well, you know, that is what it, what am I going to do? 
What yeah. what control do I have? And now I find myself like my wife will get mad about something. I'm like, hey, we have n- you have no like she was going to Denver this morning, and I was like, there's a storm going on in Denver, and she's like getting all up and about. I go, guess what? You can't control the, the weather. That's if right. your flight's canceled, it's canceled. If it's delayed, it's delayed. You can't. Con- it has nothing to do with you. So That's why right. even why even bother? Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So. That's why I always, I'm always fascinated with people. Like I used to always like dabble in the idea of meditation. Like I explored, like I used to go to a, a like a, a spiritual healer back at, when mm. I lived in Venice Whoa, cool. and I, all this stuff. And I do have, I want to hear more what you want to say about meditation, but then I have this thing that I've been wanting to talk to you about and I don't know why, but I just feel Let's like you're going to talk gonna- about, I mean the meditation thing is to, to sum it up. Cause meditation is like, is one of those words like love or happiness yeah. it can mean a lot of different things and it can seem a lot really confusing and a lot of people have a very guilty relationship with it where they feel like it's like jogging or whatever like you should be doing it but the the idea is more like what you're describing is one way you could describe it is you have a little bit of spaciousness now which is like totally. you're not so compressed into your personality yeah. your identity so the and if you look at us like computers, you got to reset once in a while. You have to reset. If there's so much stuff going through your brain every day, if the more you reset, then you like. I feel like I appreciate stuff more. Yeah, I see things slowly, right. more slowly. And that that stuff going through your brain, um, becoming familiar with that stuff going through your brain, yeah, in a non-judgmental way, without some sense of like, oh, I'm going to fix my thoughts, but rather just a, a very simple. Uh, space where you could just let your thoughts do what they do so you start understanding that you're not really your thoughts can produce a, a similar situation to what you're describing when you told your wife about the weather in, in 100%. Denver you can also you also start realizing that your thoughts are like the weather in Denver 100% so in that kind of like just that's there's a lot of a lot of like loosening that can happen there so you don't get so caught in the dramatic totally barking of the weird dog that lives in the yard of your mind yeah and then and your mind's its own thing it's gonna have its own thoughts that doesn't mean you have to act on every goddamn thing it thinks. yeah man so that's it that's meditation what did you want to talk about so when I was living in that condemned house when I wrote the short for you there was a lot of weird the one weird thing that happened to me the only place I ever talked about this was pete holmes and i know i feel like you and pete are kind of like on similar levels i was my mother used to send me like uh charlie rose interviews with people that she thought were like influential to me yeah on vhs and one was with tom hanks he had just done castaway and he was talking about being alone like if like how you couldn't have any insecurities making that movie because you're the only person acting with 17 wow. people on set watching you Holy shit! you know and i was like holy oh cow God. that's so amazing and like yeah if you go back and look at it like he makes you believe in a world and it's just him Wow! so when that interview was over there was like a commercial like a pbs you know commercial of this girl jogging through the woods and it was like not techno music but kind of like spiritual techno you know and I was it's like, oh, man, the woods made me think of, like, the East Coast, and I missed home. And I, and I literally said to myself, like, if you really want to feel like you're home, just close your eyes and you'll be home. Hmm. And I closed my eyes, and as soon as I closed my eyes, okay? Now, I had smoked a little weed, but if you, anyone who's ever smoked weed will know this is not something happens when you smoke weed. And no, it wasn't laced. I closed my eyes, and I immediately went... <laughs> down a black tunnel into an infinite black room and the only thing in it 
it wasn't even a black room. It was just space. You couldn't see any um, barriers. You know, it just existed. It was a floating gold look like a cashew but not gold like jewelry gold like glowing yes. and i was just face to face with this floating gold orb shining yes and i started to cry immediately and i was just staring at it and then my my head was like what is going on and i was like oh get out of here and i opened my eyes and i was like in and like i had to like gasp for breath because i was like crying so hard and i was like <gasps> and i go my eyes and i'm like what the fuck is going on <clears throat> and I closed my eyes again and I went right back through that tunnel into that space and started crying so hard that my voice was reaching this like super high octave. You know what I mean? Like that's the sound coming out yeah. of my mouth. And I was like, holy shit, what is this? And then I opened my eyes again and that golden cashew, that's what P called it, bounced out of the room and just went out the window. Yeah. Yeah. You saw the golden cashew of wisdom. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, dude, it's basic. Everyone's seen it. Jesus, I thought this was going to be some crazy story. No, do you have a take on that? Well, I mean, I think that um, you're a very sensitive person, and I think that everybody, all of us have so much pain in, in us, and it's like... Uh, at the time I met this guy who was like a Vietnam vet who maybe much like your dad he was a homeless guy yeah. I let him stay with me he had told me like I interviewed him at throughout the night he had like 53 confirmed kills and like was in charge of all these kids in Vietnam and yeah. told me about one time coming up over a hill and fucking Charlie was started bawling in my living room and like all these kids died he didn't you know and he was like uh, his whole thing was like, uh, you let go of some pain that day, man. You let go of some pain. <laughs> and at the time, I was hanging out with this gypsy lady who lived in a Winnebago in Venice who made puppets. And she was like, uh, you saw yourself in your infinite source as a mere energy. That's who you are. Like, you went, like, if, if a baby is born inside a body what it's real infinite beginning is is just energy and that's what her thing was man the um it reminds me of a when i first started like working with this with david learning how to do this meditation practice i told him i had this experience once and I told him this experience I had once when I was meditating where I felt like, you know, I, I gained, uh, you know, I wasn't high, which is rare. And I gained this very, like, there was this moment of, like, expansion that seemed to happen. And I felt like I, I kind of ceased to exist. I felt like I merged into everything. And, and when I came out of that state, I was so blown away. I'm like, oh, my God, that was incredible. And then. How long were you in there for? few minutes and two do you feel do you feel that like sharing that information is like okay or do you feel like that's sometimes that's something that's supposed to just be for you no because you know all that superstitious stuff is like it's usually invented uh i'm not saying superstitious i'm just saying like respect you want a little swallow oh thank you yeah. i think it's a 
Are you can pour some, you want to pour some in there? Oh, thank you. I th- I'm sorry to drink out of your thing. That would have been the polite thing to do, Dad. <laughs> I don't know what Will you're you going to do. Dad? I um the 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 um so it's like to get back into your what you were saying earlier about memories. Yeah. And that cool realization of how well, memories are really interesting in the sense that for a lot of people define themselves by the memory. So, um, have you ever read any Marcus Aurelius? I feel like you would just really love him. No, but uh, I... Ah, man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you this book from Amazon. I think you'd really love him. He, he wrote this book called Meditations. Mm-hmm. And I think you'd really like it because the book, I think it was actually a dad writing to... I think it was made for a young emperor. And it's stoicism. Mm-hmm. And so, Marcus Aurelius was really good at talking about the many sand traps that people fall into. For example, some people... It's a golf book? <laughs> it would I mean, probably help. You golf, it probably help with golfing. <laughs> Honest to God. Everything will. Um, so, you know, one of the crazy things people do... I'm going to leave... Out, people will one people will remember my name legacy yeah. or whatever right yeah, yeah and so marcus Aurelius writes about that in a really smart way just like no one's gonna remember you eventually and you mean they all re- either remember you now don't get caught up right now you're getting not you but his thing was like right now you're getting caught up in the way people are going to think about you after you die yeah forget that now it's time to be here where we are right now and in fact and the other, so the other thing he says is like you know people get very or people are terrified of death and he's like well you know death is a moment in time yeah but are you afraid of death i used to be i'm not anymore i mean i'm afraid in a healthy way in the sense that like if a bear came running into the yard <laughs> i wouldn't be like eat me i'm not afraid to yeah. die. pull my intestines out and play with them while i g- gas for air i would run yeah but in, in, in i don't have a neurotic fear of death like i used to and but what he points out is this he's like actually every single thing that happened before this moment is gone it's gone so you've already lost everything with yeah. every breath Every moment that came before, all the breaths before, they're gone. That thing in your mind that is the series of memories that you're using to summon up a childhood or whatever that you think gives some continuity to the self, that's just an illusion. And then so if you start doing this exploration of your own thoughts, which a lot of us are in in a weird way, kind of like centipedes, Mm -hmm. but we only have one segment and we're making up all the past segments in our minds. Like if you were to see what we really are, we'd look like just the head of a centipede with a lot of phantasmal segments, which are the various stories we tell ourselves that make up our identity. And those stories are so encoded in our brains in a very foggy way most of the time. So if you analyze your, like just think back to your like, I don't know, the hottest sex you ever fucking had, Mm -hmm. right? And then how in the moment it was so exciting and incredible. Oh, my God. Wow. You can't feel the orgasm now, right? It's a, you know you came, but you can't really, because if you could, if you, by thinking, by remembering, if we could feel what we were feeling in that moment, it would basically, all society would grind to a halt, because people would just be constantly coming. (laughs) 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 You would, no one would drink, no one would consume, because all you would have to do is think about the time you had this stuff, and it would feel exactly the same way, so it doesn't work. It's all a foggy, shadowy, like when you see 
hot concrete and that weird warping thing above the street. That's what our entire past is, at least our memory yeah. of it. So, uh, and that includes all of our most transcendental, incredible peak experiences. That includes all of our contacts with the great golden cashew of wisdom, <laughs> which many of us have in different ways. Yeah. Some people are at Machu Picchu and they encounter like some kind of realization of uh, some higher dimensional frequency that inspired the people who made Machu Picchu. And, and maybe some people had them in church or they saw their children being born or that moment when they fell in love or watching the dirt go on their father's casket or whatever. No, that's a fact. Like when my dad died three years ago, I changed completely. I was like, okay, that story's done. Yeah. I don't have to be that. I'm not a part of that story anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was a really weird. It was kind of like I'd always been. It was funny because I said to my mom one time when I was home, I said, uh, this was years ago. I go, you know, Ma, the only way we're ever going to be at peace is if I get rich and can give you a ton of money to take care of you yeah. or you die. <laughs> and she was just like, that is not a nice thing to say to me. And I'm like, yeah, I know. But it was just, a, you know, it's not like that anymore. But I think maybe that was me projecting on the idea of my dad. But it's weird to think that, like, some well, those stories that we tell ourselves that define us. Yeah, and they're not. And, and then when you start realizing, like, oh, that. So, like, if you were to really, like, sit sit with the golden, the, the moment of that golden radiant light and, and you're weeping and you really start analyzing the memory, you'll you'll begin to see that it's actually kind of like looking at like at least for me i'm describing my own memories it's all it's very opaque yeah you know what does it say through a glass darkly it's like um it's like looking through a tinted window or something and so all of the great peak experiences as incredible as they may have been they're gone yeah, of and course. so Shogun Trumpa Rinpoche, his advice in these moments is disown them and forget about it. It's over now. It's gone because now we're here because what people start accidentally doing and you don't even realize you're doing it, not just with spiritual experiences, but with relationships, art, whatever. You end up accidentally crucifying yourself to the past. You are using this weird watermark that's completely gone as either an indication of your current success or current failure as a human being when the abandonment of it completely allows the opportunity of space to open up where the cashew can come to you now in the yeah. present moment. Because the whole thing's a cashew, as Gandhi used to say. Interesting. I feel like now I'm. this is where my baptism begins in this the the cult of duncan yeah you thought we just gave you one brand. shit man <laughs> we give you many brands baby um well and, but that's a for me that's been a great relief because i um have been so tortured by like those also it's like jesus christ you're always like remember the last time you were super inspired or whatever all this shit it, it just i have found it's mostly nostalgia it tends to have like a pretty bitter undertone to it you know and and disowning the past is quite good and also disowning the future for sure but i gotta tell you i mean i don't know in how you're defining nostalgia but like can you heat up the brand please <laughs> thanks larry <laughs> go ahead don't look at him please don't, i mean if you don't mind don't look at him i uh He's got a beautiful ass, doesn't last he? Last night, I was like, you know, it was super windy last night, you know, and we had just, we just ate dinner. And then I was like, uh, we went for a scoot and I'm like, let's go out back. Let's go play in the back, you know? What's and a I, scoot? 
you know, like my kids have scooters. Oh, okay. You like scoot okay, on. Cool, we cool, we cool. just do one lap around the neighborhood. Oh, that's so cool. Just get some energy out of them, and like it's beautiful. Please out. Please write a fucking book on being a dad, even if it's just to me, man. I need this. I I need, I don't know any of this shit. Oh man, I'm working on it. I started one. It's called Men Make Better Mothers. Are you fucking kidding me? No. What? Yeah. How far along are you? Yeah, I got about two chapters done. Will you send me these chapters, man? I swear to God, man. Yeah, man. I just, I just, I, you know, I just, um, I love it, man. That's what I love, you know? So anyway, we were going back to nostalgia. We step out in the backyard and like the wind is coming through and I, I just go out and I love to lay out, you know, I just lay in the grass. Yeah, lay down. And then my son, of course, will like climb on top of me and he's just like, dad. And like, then I just hold him up and just throw him around and yeah. stuff. But I was like. I love when moments, just like either wind or smells or taste, take you back to a, a place. You know yeah. what I mean? Even if that place never even existed, cool. it might just be a, a thought or a, a an idea. Yeah. You know. So I love nostalgia for for being that. That is, yeah. You know right. what I mean? That's, That's like, yeah. you know, I forget who 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 said it, but it was a famous quote that said, "The smell of a grill can spark up nostalgia." Summer, summer, summertime. <laughs> That's Will Smith, bro. Um, oh, it is? Summer, summer, summertime. I was about to tear up. The, wasn't <laughs> You can still tear up at Will Smith, dude. Don't hate on him. I'm not hating at Will Smith, but in my mind, no, no, no. In my mind, I have produced, like, I was thinking, like, oh, God, Jesus, that's got to be, like, fucking Hemingway or something. And so it's Will Smith. Will Smith, Dude, bro. I just saw this. I was just on Instagram looking at this. Will Smith went to India, and, like, he was in this place I want to visit called Bhutan, and he was, like, filming himself, and he looked so radiant and enlightened and uh, shit. Dude, Will Smith is the shit. Wow. TV, music, film. I know it's so who weird, else? isn't it? How someone who's like, how like, someone who's been so omnipresent in 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 your life, which he is in the West, uh, you all and and so good that you look at it's almost like they seem you take them for granted so much that they seem kind of mundane or something. Yeah, <laughs> and you know so he cool. he did he was he's doing stand up like he tried stand up, so he had all these stand ups come and give him advice and like dudes that are like you know been doing stand up ten years giving him advice and he's like open to it and listening and cool. like being respectful that dude's he's awesome man cool man. i love that guy i'm gonna revisit will smith i liked him in that apocalypse movie that's for sure which one i don't know yeah i mean he's just awesome man he's funny um anyway man this is this is like so awesome you have such a great insight and you perspective. Too. Well, I love to see. It's just about the exchange of information, man. Yeah. Humanity is all about it. It's like if we can just open ourselves up and because whenever you run into people, this kind of stuff happens. And it's like very inspiring to me. The father stuff, as I was saying earlier, I feel very insecure about um, and, and, and kind Which of Which you like, shouldn't. I also think, first of all, we're all going to fuck up as parents. Every one of yeah. us is going to fuck up. Yeah. You know what I mean? <clears throat> at the same time, who's to say what's right and what's wrong? You just have to like go with your gut. I just always, I just think the one thing is that dudes need to know that they're just as important. You know, when people get divorced, it's usually the dad who goes away. You know what I mean? Now, in your case, sounds like it was probably a good call, but <laughs> it doesn't mean it's supposed to be that way. It's just like as society, we all just believe, oh, yeah, they're supposed to be with the with the woman. And I just oh, yeah. I still don't understand why that's the case. You know what you just made me remember? Uh, one of the things Chogim Chopra Rinpoche was really uh, adamant about mm -hmm. 
was the family and he's and because he was saying in the, in this there's a great book called shambhala the warrior's path or something but in the book he's saying like you know you'll run into people who have very big ideas when it comes to how we should do society mm-hmm the green new deal some kind of socialism some kind of uh what do they call it um the guy yang wants to do it uh uh universal universal basic income yeah and um he who knows these ideas could work yeah maybe they won't but if you want to make a true change in society what he says is create a harmonious family situation yeah and if we can all do that and that doesn't mean you have to reproduce a family can be your circle of friends your community your dogs your life your inner home but he's like if we can figure out a way to do that it won't happen all at once but it'll have that's where the big change will come from yeah and and i really love that it's such a simple concept but it seems like one that so many have forgotten yeah. And the way we've normalized divorce and the way that we've normalized these really brutal situations on a, on a child. And I'm not saying stay together just because you should stay together. Like if you're handcuffed together in some rotten fucking marathon being put on by a James Bond supervillain in some <laughs> horrific <laughs> island where yeah. there's like dinosaurs and zombies and shit. And you have to yeah. make it to the end. Even if it means like dragging one or the other through thorns or whatever. I'm not saying that. Yeah. But I'm saying, like... I'm on the fence with divorce on two sides, and this is why. One, I think people divorce too easily nowadays. Like, you know, you don't... Marriage isn't supposed to be infinite bliss. That's not what it's supposed to be. You're not... It's not about the person, and it's not about the kids. It's about this idea of being there for someone giving of yourself accepting them and letting them have faults that's why they say in good times and bad because even things can get bad that doesn't mean it equals divorce it means hey let's work together i don't know if you've ever had bumpy roads but my wife and i have and when we got through on the other side it was like what we're fucking so much stronger and the more and more we're together we grow stronger and we have it's just like a better understanding so like i look at divorce and i'm not saying my parents you know they were together eight years and then divorced with four kids i'm not saying that they should have stayed together and i'm not saying anyone should but i'm saying if you don't at the least go to couples therapy to work at it then you never believed in the idea of what it was in the first place yeah and go to couples therapy it's not supposed to be yeah no shit go to therapy everyone should because I always say to my friend, he's like, yeah, I don't know. I just like, I kind of talk to my friends about my problems. And I go, yeah, how about going to someone that's paid to sit and has to listen and then has to give you feedback? Oh, my God, man. I, I fucking love therapy so much. And like the reason I love it is because I am a bit of a hypochondriac and I need someone to tell me. I, I It's nice to be with someone and be like, hey, am I broken? Like, do, is there, is this like. Insane? And they're like, uh, from my notes, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would say the definition of broken is you. <laughs> we gotta put you at home. You're gonna go to adult daycare now. You crazy fuck. Yeah. But it's nice because you know, it's nice in the same way you go to a doctor to be like, what the fuck? Why is this hurting? They're like, oh well, it's just simple. You you've got a vitamin D deficiency. You need to take vitamin D. Yeah. In the same way you go to a therapist, and it's really quite basic. They'll be like, well, you know, drinking is not 
generally considered one of the medicines for a healthy marriage. Yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. what's the best is going to a therapist and then telling them something that like you've been holding on to that you think you're crazy for, and yeah. they're like, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And then they start saying like, oh, I've had, you know, you're fine. Yeah. You know how many people are dealing with what you're, and you're like, oh, really? Yeah, and they right. like break down the uh, the idea that you're holding on to something that's bigger than everybody else who's ever had something to this deal with. This is why we need a fucking Insta truth instead of an Instagram, some kind of goddamn online thing where you can, and it will never happen, of course. But how wonderful would it be? If mm-hmm. there was an online thing where instead of taking pictures of your great moments, you take pictures of like you on the floor weeping, your <laughs> wife yelling, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, totally. You know, all these moments of like, I am broken. I feel so sad. I'm scared. What if I can't do this? Oh, I'm freaking the fuck out. And if we started all sharing that with each other, yeah. by the way, I'm not saying obsessive confessionalism, which I think is really hacky and incredibly embarrassing. I'm talking about pure honest sharing with each other they're like guys being human does not mean always grinning at the fucking beach yeah we are kind of wretched sometimes and because we are impermanent beings that yeah. just learn how to walk if you look at it from like a universal oh god to, yeah you know what i mean like we have to we have to and that's what a good therapist would be like it's okay yeah and just hearing that from someone who actually knows is i think uh, quite cathartic and, thera- and therapeutic. <laughs> That's why it's fucking therapy. <laughs> you're great. Dude, you're the best, man. Um, this has been fantastic. I appreciate you. And I love the shirt. Uh, thanks, man. I appreciate you, too. This it's- is when uh, we were at the Brody Memorials when I had seen you. I hadn't seen you in so long. I and know. I was like, oh, my God. I know. And every time seeing you, though, every- you just have something, man. There's like, a, there's like a light about you. And I'm really glad you sat down with me today. Write that book. I'm writing it, bro. Yeah, okay, I'll you don't it. need encouragement. No, I do. I do. I, I Maybe that was like a, maybe I'm not writing enough on it, but I, I want to write it. You know, you, do you remember when you were doing stand-up before you had kids, and you'd see older comics do bits about their family and kids, and you're like, look at this fucking heck. Well, you had a kid, it. and all of a sudden you have stand-up material. Yeah. And now I'm like, everything in my life is about those kids, you know what I mean? And so kind of like there's a, there's a side of me that's like, are you going to write another dad book? What makes you be, you know what I mean? But I should because I do love it and have a passion for it. So, Since you got to my house, you've given me like three things that are very inspiring in a real way, not a bullshit way. I, I appreciate we don't, that. A lot of us, man, you know, we, we legitimately want to be good dads. Yeah. But, it's like wanting to be a good fucking cook it's like well you got to make a bunch of mistakes but the difference is if i make a mistake cooking fucking steak yeah it's burnt steak you know what i mean it's like if there's a way to avoid infecting my son with my neurotic you're not going to be able to you're gonna by the way that was the second title of the book was going to be called burnt steak shut the fuck up <laughs> are you fucking with me no yes i'm fucking with you uh, no that wasn't <laughs> you're like because that's gonna be my new stand-up special so burnt you're gonna steak. have to <laughs> that's actually my new stand-up name yeah burnt steak dude <laughs> dude you're the best man i love you and i appreciate you coming you. on likewise thanks bud i don't even know what to say about that man i honestly could have kept going i wanted to keep going i just like i like to keep the podcast to around an hour we went a little over He's awesome. He is so awesome. He's got such a such a youth 
to his like viewpoint on the world and i was so so stoked to have him on i hope you guys enjoyed as much as i did and i look forward to having you listen next week and sharing this with people out there i love you guys make sure you know that every day you look at the world it's up to you of how you see it i appreciate you all This week's episode is brought to you by OpenFit. OpenFit takes all of the complexity of losing weight and getting fit. It's a brand new, super simple streaming service that allows you to work out from the comfort of your living room in as little as 10 minutes a day. I want to say this. I, I Over the years, I've said in my last podcast, The Crab Feast, uh, in social media, you know, in interviews, that I weight has always been a thing for me. And my buddy and I talk about it all the time. I got to drive two miles. That's it to the gym. But it's still a pain. Like anything I can do from home is better for me. OpenFit is bringing you something new that makes it even easier to never miss a sweat session. For me, that's important. It's just like make it easy for me. Lose the commute to the gym and let the workout come to you. Amazing trainers and classes. OpenFit classes are led by some of the most effective and engaging trainers in the world. It's simple. Forget all the complexity and stress of around getting fit and just press play and work out on your schedule. 600 seconds with celebrity trainer Devin Wiggins packs the fat-burning, muscle-building, and body-sculpting benefits of much longer sessions into a fraction of that time. That's one thing I learned over the years is that is a fact. You can get so much more done in less time if you're doing it efficiently and know what you're doing, which I never do. So this is like something that'd be perfect for a lot of people and they just don't know it because you're like really 10 minutes but yeah really 10 minutes lose up to 15 pounds in just the first 30 days flatten your abs shape your body and look and feel great that's a great way to like we all we need is results to move us forward you know what i mean just get results this is a great way to jump start your own experience i know for me you want to Get something like this because it can be at your house. It doesn't take up a lot of time. And the bottom line is just do it. If you don't believe it, if you're like, nah, whatever, what what does it matter to you? 30 days, 10 minutes a day, just do it. And then see, 15 pounds. That's amazing. Who doesn't want to drop 15 pounds? OpenFit has changed the way you can work out. Use my code. Larson, L-A-R-S-O-N, and join me on a fitness journey personalized just for you. Again, use my code Larson and start using OpenFit for your journey to a healthier life. Right now, during the OpenFit 30-Day Challenge, my listeners get a special extended 30-day free trial membership to OpenFit, where you can lose up to 15 pounds in 30 days when you text Larson to 303030303030 just text larson to 303030 and you're going to get a free 30 day trial i mean god <laughs> think about it if you just do it in 30 days 15 pounds go check out open fit if you're looking for a great podcast to be listening to Aussie Confidential what does punk rock have to do with steroid abuse how does a soap company 
Save a Suicide, Aussie Confidential, the newest podcast from the Aussie, tells all. Host Eugene S. Robinson, journalist, actor, stuntman, frontman, creator of Sex with Gene, True Stories, and Eugenius is now all up in here with interviews from the underground. Ungoogleable, untold, undiscovered until now. Part ranorific crosstalk from the edge, part no holds barred, delving into the dark stuff often left unsaid, complete with a soundtrack to die for. Aussie Confidential is a podcast for people, personalities, and weirdly wild notions about what we reveal and what we most want to conceal. Episodes can be 20 minutes, two hours. You never know with Aussie. Listen up for Aussie Confidential, available everywhere audio lives. And if you just can't wait, listen a day early, only on Himalaya. This is the podcast your mother warned you about, only from Aussie. Live curiously. Today's episode is brought to you by Care Of. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. With the winter blues coming to an end, it's finally time to get back into a routine that empowers you to feel your healthiest. Give yourself an extra boost this season when you're looking for more energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else to help you feel your healthiest. Right now, if you go to Take Care Of, they have an quiz you can take. Takes less than five minutes. I went over. You fill in the things that you're looking to improve in your life. For me, some were stress. Some were my heart. Um, Anything you're trying to, if you want better sleep. There's so many different things you can go over there. 90% of people fall short of their FDA recommended guidelines. This is a great way to find out what things you might be needing. My wife said to me recently, she's like, you need to take a daily vitamin. I'm like, what's even in the daily vitamin? We don't know. With you go to care of, it gives you specifics of things that you can work on. It can be really hard to know what vitamin supplements you should be taking. Care of makes it easy to find out when you specifically need to be your healthiest. Taking that quiz took me five minutes. Super easy. And your personalized Care of subscription box gets sent right to your door every month with personalized daily packs. Great for a busy on-the-go lifestyle. So right now, if you go over to Take Care Of, take Take the quiz, and then you can get 50% off your first month of personalized care vitamins. So just head over to TakeCareOf.com and enter code LARSEN50. Go to TakeCareOf.com and enter LARSEN50 for 50% off your first month of personalized care of vitamins. Great way to get your energy or your health in order and head into spring. (laughs) Feeling new, baby.